Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. Uh, my name is John Payne, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, and also serve on the leadership team of Sovereign Grace. And I'm here with my good friend, Jared Mellinger, who is the lead pastor of Covenant Fellowship Church outside of Philadelphia, and also on the leadership team of Sovereign Grace. So Jared, as always, great to be together, man. Hey, it's great to be with you and great to be talking to anyone who is going to listen to this. So it's small though the group may be. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're, hey, hey to our two friends that maybe are listening. And our and our mothers <laughs> both listening as well. <laughs> uh, well we we've been talking about um, the what we're calling the shaping virtues. Um, we use the word as we referenced before shaping because we don't want to give the impression that we think we we have all these virtues uh, in perfection or uh, even significantly uh, in ourselves or in our family of churches, but they are things that we've historically highlighted as a group of churches. Um, these are uh, character traits that flow out of the gospel that ought to define Christians and churches that center on Christ and him crucified. And we want them to be true increasingly of us as churches. So we've, we've kind of talked through uh, five of them at uh, to, to this point. And, and right now, I wanted to talk about uh, servanthood. Uh, servanthood as that trait, that quality of life, that determination that ought to flow out of those who have come to know the Lord Jesus, who is the ultimate servant of all servants, um, the one who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself <laughs> nothing, counted himself as willing to die even on a cross and to take on the burdens of the enemies of God and to rescue them. And, and we want to reflect that servanthood in, in our churches. And I know we want to reflect that in our own lives. We want that to be true of our definition of what it means to be a leader, that we would lay down our lives for those that we are leading, true of our pastors and, and true in our homes. We want servanthood to be a a shaping virtue in Sovereign Grace churches. So let's just begin talking about it. Maybe you'd be willing to share, Jared. Wh where do we see this virtue elevated or accented in the scriptures? What are some passages that you would go to that would would um, you know call for this to be true in in our churches? Yes. Um, well, John thirteen is one passage that comes immediately to mind where uh, Christ is. Uh, washing the disciples' feet, he is uh, he is serve the one who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many is is uh, this beautiful act of service prior to going to the cross, and then turns to the disciples and says that uh, just as he has served them, so we are to to serve and to love one another in in all humility. And so certainly in uh, John 13 is one of those places. Jesus regularly taught the value of servanthood. And you mentioned that value, particularly among leaders. Uh, the, the starting point for Christian leadership is service. Uh, God has saved us into a life of service. We serve the Lord and we are to serve um, others. And, and part of the very definition of biblical leadership 
Uh, Matthew 20 is where Jesus says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Uh, they do not serve, they, they domineer. Uh, their great men exercise authority over them. And he says, it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Mm-hmm. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we see in the gospel, the most glorious and compelling example of Mm. true servanthood. And that's what every pastor and every Christian is called to in, uh, in a life of service. One additional scripture that comes to mind is in uh, first Peter chapter Mm. four, where uh, in in the context of describing uh, the gifts of the spirit, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as mm-hmm. good stewards of God's varied grace. So mm-hmm. uh, all that we have been given by way of gifts and talents and resources uh, is to be leveraged in the service of others. Every Christian has received a gift and every Christian is to use those gifts to serve one another in the context of the church. Mm, Excellent. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, just some other passages that that speak to this category. One one would just be in in the context of marriage. You you, do think of Ephesians five, that the husband's call um, is to lay down his life for his wife, that he he considers her interests ahead of his own. He loves his wife as himself, so he's sensitive to her needs, willing to sacrifice for her good, not looking um, to merely benefit from her, but to to give um, to serve her. So you know, marriage is to be shaped by servanthood. Um, I, I'm thinking also of just some of the commendations that the Lord gave to leaders, even in the Old Testament, you think about like the the comment of Moses, that he was the meekest man, you know, on the face of the earth, that as the Lord worked in his heart, he he didn't grow um, more impressed with himself. He, he gradually grew meeker where he, he was, he was, you know, wanting to grow in meekness, having seen the glory of the Lord. Yeah. Um, so that there, there ought to be, I think, this quality for every Christian and certainly for leaders that the more we see of the glory of the Lord and the more we're shocked by his servanthood of us in dying in our place on the cross, there ought to be a, a running towards lowliness um, that ought to be true in my heart, towards my wife, towards my children, towards the flock of the Lord. I think that the... Um, the cultural definition, as you referenced, the Gentiles that that lorded over others is also contradicted by the whole definition of leadership as shepherd. Um, that the the type of authority that we wield is a a, a willingness to bear with the burdens and the dangers and the difficulties of God's people. Um, it's interesting to me that God didn't emphasize, you know, his leaders as generals or his leaders in the, you know, the new Testament, they're not described as Kings. Um, you know, that, that isn't the metaphor that is used. You know, the, the, the pastor is like a King, you know, this, no, the pastor is like a shepherd. He's not particularly impressive and he has to face the same difficulties as the flock. And, and he has to gently, bring them to to good pasture. So there's a servant heartedness, even in that metaphor that I think God shape 
um, you know, what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a leader. Let, let's talk a little bit about maybe a misconception of servanthood, at least as it relates to leadership, um, that it isn't a an indifference to conviction. We talked about the same category under humility, that you wouldn't want to think of servanthood or servant leadership as servant indifference that that's not what we mean um you know that what it means to be a servant leader is just always do whatever anybody else wants you to do you know whether it's the husband who just always defers to his wife or a pastor who always defers to a a preference from his congregation or a christian who always defers to the clamor of the culture that that's not what we mean by biblical servanthood so speak to that a little bit about how, how do you how do we what, do, what does servanthood look like in moments where there's tension between uh, opinions or bibl- especially between biblical convictions and worldly perspectives? Yeah, one of the great convictions that, that helps us when we think about serving others is the conviction that we are first and foremost servants and slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to be a servant of Christ will mean at times that we are disappointing others. Uh, we, we serve others by telling them the truth. They may not always gladly receive the truth. Um, you know, Paul's able to say, if I were still pleasing people, I would not be a slave of Christ. So, mm-hmm. I th- so there's, a, there's an important distinction between a life of service and a life of people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, are, we are laboring to serve others, not first and foremost, in order to make other people happy, uh, mm-hmm. though we do hope to bless people through our service, but we are in a sense serving for uh, the audience of one, uh, the yes. Lord himself. We are in all that we do in serving others, we are recognizing uh, that even as we give a cup of water to one in need, it's as though we're doing it uh, for Christ, and we anticipate that final day when we hear from the Master, "Well done, good and faithful servant," and mm-hmm. where where His commendation of our of our service is the one that matters. Excellent. I, I think that's especially today. It's it's an important distinction because I think you know I think people pleasing, niceness, um, accommodation, the avoidance of offense could masquerade as servanthood. And in some situations, those motives might incline you to the same decision. You know, a person who's trying to be a people pleaser and a person who's a genuine servant might make the same choice in a given moment. But it's, you know, it's it's when that moment comes that it's like, okay, in order to serve this person, I, I have to risk offending them. Yeah. In order to serve this person, I, I have to make a decision that will be viewed as, you know, politically incorrect or even offensive. And the willingness to be offensive in service of the Lord and in care of the person is one of the marks of the true servant. Um, But it's also true that even in, I think, in our day and age, and we've talked about this, where there's, there's the danger of thinking of the servant only as the prophetic voice that I'm the servant of the Lord calling out the evils of others and of the culture and, you know, um, and I represent the Lord. And, and that can miss out on, on that gentle and, and humble and meek servant where the Lord Jesus was 
equally able to serve the Lord by calling out the dangers of the Pharisees and to serve the Lord by physically washing the feet of his disciples or caring for the lame man or listening for the cry of the the blind beggar calling out his name. There's this ability to be courageous in servanthood and gentle in servanthood in the same moment, depending on, on the need of the person in front of them. So I think that's what we want, you know, in sovereign grace churches and among pastors, uh, for sure. Um, t- talk about just when we think of maybe the culture of a sovereign grace church, just tangibly, um, what are some things, what are some ways that we would urge um, pastors to lead their churches toward a culture of servanthood in the church? So I'm thinking of things that we've grown up with where, you know, you, you have churches that are motivated towards helping people in times of need, helping team people, you know, when they're, they're in a family you know, it has need or a moment of weakness moves, you know, when a baby's come or when there's sickness and illness. What what do we mean when we say we want our churches to be marked by servanthood in terms of the congregation? Yes. Yeah, it, it takes an entire community that is that is looking to the interests of others and that is that is aware of the ways that other people are in need of being served. There's ways in which we can think that it's, um, you know, we, we like to think that, well, we don't really stand in need of being served, but actually each one of us, I wouldn't be able to make it through a Sunday service, just practically speaking, were it not for an army of people who are, who are serving. And uh, creating that kind of culture does begin with the leadership. It's, it's, we are so blessed to have um, a first generation of leaders who have who have really modeled these things so well. But I, I have frequently heard the story of, um, I believe it was CJ traveling uh, uh, with someone, and just CJ carrying other people's bags. You know, it's these sorts of of uh, acts of service that 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 shock people, that take people off guard that may be countercultural. That's exactly what Jesus was doing in washing the disciples' feet. So we as pastors are always on the lookout for those kinds of things. You know, if we if we do a uh, you know a church barbecue, how can we be serving there? Mm. If, if it's if it's raining on a Sunday morning, you know, um was one time we said, all right, let's grab umbrellas. Let's as pastors help people out who need, you know, uh, who need help staying dry, get into the building. These you know, no act of service is uh, is below the pastor and, and and leader. And so that that informs our own identity and through our example that does set a uh, a culture, Lord willing, of others who you know who serve. I think that we if we're faithful to scripture, we'll be calling people to serve in our preaching. There are very practical exhortations to use one's gifts to serve in the local church. And so we shouldn't hesitate to uh, to exhort people to that. There, people can have an idea that you can be a member in the church without serving the church. Yes. Challenge that idea. That no, part right. of what it means to be a member uh, is that you are using your gifts in service of the local church. There are many ways to do that, uh, but each one of us is called to that, you know, to that service. And then I do, I do think high, looking for those who set an example of serving and calling attention to them. 
in the context of the local church, deacons are those who are in many ways, uh, you know, chief servants. They, they are, they're setting an example in what it means to meet the needs uh, of others. And uh, there's a reason that that office is, is publicly recognized and, and celebrated. And so we need to be on the lookout for those who, are, who, who have uh, gifts of serving, uh, and we need to be commending and honoring their, uh, their examples. And we need to teach people that, that what informs their service shouldn't just be their gifts, but where is their need? It's one of these other things that's a part of Sovereign Grace culture. How many guys who are now pastors have stories of their early service in the church where they go to the pastor, you know, and say, Hey, I have, I have a a desire for pastoral ministry. And they say, great. How about you serve on the parking team or great. Uh, the restrooms need cleaned, uh, you know, uh, a couple times a week. Are you willing to do that? And, you know, these sorts of things Uh, or, or, uh, teaching in children's ministry or serving in children's ministry, you know, these, these kinds of things. Well, that's all a part of that culture of, of service. The path to greatness is laying down our lives in service of others. Yes. Excellent. Uh, One category that comes to my mind too, is wanting the church as a church or as a whole to be looking for ways to serve other churches and their community as well. So that 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 this bleeds into those categories too. Like we, we've both shared this conviction that churches are not um, meant to devote all of their resources to their own benefit. That actually it, it's an unhealthy church that is devoting all of its finances and all of its pastoral time and all of its personnel resources only to its own increase. Um, that that's immaturity in a church, <laughs> that you want churches that are are wanting to be servants of others. I mean, so you see this in the New Testament where you have Paul commending churches who were looking to sow outside of themselves. I mean, this is the very impulse of church yeah. planting. It's not only that you want to reach the lost because you could do that only locally, and that's a local service. But it's that you want to reach the lost and serve people that are that that you don't see that are outside of your locale that will will reap no immediate benefit to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you send people that could be a real benefit to your church somewhere else to serve in ways and to benefit a church plant that you'll never get to see, or you send money or resources or a pastor to serve a church uh, that is in need without considering how this takes away from your own interests. So one of the burdens I think that we share is that churches would define maturity as including service outside of their own borders and for their own benefit, whether it's monetary giving, we talked about that in generosity, whether it's sowing people, um, that this is part of what it means to be a Christ-like church that you're giving outside of yourself. Um, And then that's true also when it comes to the community that we want to be those that are, are a good witness that adorn the gospel and that yeah. whether it's <laughs> you're serving your neighbor or the church in some way specific to your locale is serving the community. I, I heard it say one time that it ought to be the case that if a church were to disappear, it would be deeply felt by the community um, just because of the service that they've rendered to neighbors and to you know some kind of um, community need. And I, I think that's perhaps something that we you know, we'd be freshly exhorted to. Are are we serving in real ways those that are around us, first and foremost in sharing the gospel of life with them, but also in practical ways that that would be a, a benefit um, and would 
bring a good witness uh, to the gospel that we preach. So those are important things as well. Galatians 6.10 says, so then as we have opportunity, and this is Paul writing to the church in Galatia, this is what they as a church are to do. Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So mm-hmm. look to do good, look to serve, beginning with the household of faith, but then as you have opportunity to those beyond as well. Yes. Amen. Well, may the Lord continue to do this among us. I'm with you, and I'm so grateful that this quality has been trumpeted and commended, you know, for the last 40 years of Sovereign Grace. I think we want to see it, that it retain its honored position, (laughs) that Sovereign Grace churches would be places where you hear people commended for their servanthood, where servants are celebrated and encouraged, where membership is equated with serving the church in some specific way, that there are no passive members in the church, that churches are serving other churches in the community, that that we would, we would, if we can put it this way, we would be known for servanthood rather than selfishness, rather than self-focus, rather than self-centeredness. And that most importantly, we would do that reflecting the nature of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, who is the servant of all servants. So I think that's our, our goal as pastors. Amen. Well, thank you, my friend. Uh, If you are one of the four people listening to this, we are grateful for you and we love you. And we pray that the Lord will continue to use you mightily in serving your local church. Uh, So we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes.